In the early hours of Sunday morning, Babalo Ndwayana's first year at Stellenbosch University was about to be turned on its head. One week before the first semester exams, another first year student, Tien Stutoy, who lived in the same residence with Babalo, entered his room intoxicated and urinated on his belongings, including study notes and a laptop on loan from the university. Babalo filmed the incident and reported it the next morning. The video went viral and eventually caught the attention of the university authorities. The elected leadership in Heismere initially failed to act. However, the South African Students' Congress escalated the complaint. The Vice-Chancellor of the University, Wim de Villiers, condemned the event in the strongest terms and said that a thorough investigation is being managed by the Equality Unit and will determine the final outcome. So far, Dutoy has been suspended. I'm Amy Gibbings, a journalist for News24's Multimedia Department, and you're listening to The Story. This week, we'll be discussing the alleged racist incident that occurred at Hayes Marais residence at Stellenbosch University. News24 reporter Tammy Peterson will talk to us about her coverage of the event, followed by SRC chairperson Viwe Kobokana, who will discuss issues pertaining to the residence and the transformation agenda on campus. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. Tammy, you are on campus on Monday and together we reported on the protest outside Heismarais. Let's talk about that. I know we shared some thoughts on the experience and the feeling we got from outside that residence. I don't know why the image of the students looking down from their res windows on their counterparts who came to express their absolute disgust and indignation with the appalling deed committed against Babalo is the first thing that comes to my mind. Them watching with bemused expressions at the ruckus unfolding on their doorstep, it just grated at me. Standing among the students as they called for decisive real action against the institute, we heard a lot of things about the division in it is, being made to feel like you don't belong, as if you are a visitor, about living in a place that never actually feels like home. Babalo himself told us about the exclusionary culture and underlying racial tension on campus, the lack of engagement and conversation between students of different races at the res. Um, white students were friends with white students, black students with black students. He said the House Committee leadership is all white, making it difficult for him to relay his concerns to them because they don't understand where he's coming from. With all those hurt, offended and disappointed students on its doorstep, the leadership of Ace Marie remained mum. They didn't come out to address the students, to decry what happened, to tell the demonstrators what they are doing about it. They remained silent and that to me in itself is a problem. And antagonistic, in a sense. Absolutely. I, I took photos when, when, we were, when we were standing among the protest, uh, sorry, with the protesters um, um, on Ace Marie's doorstep. And you could see them, you know, there were smirks on some people's faces. I, I, I couldn't understand why someone would, would respond that way when you see so many hurt and upset people. Mm. They were, they were, they were, um, these, these, they were glass doors and people were standing there as if they were watching some kind of, of show, as if this is entertaining in some way. There's nothing entertaining about the humiliation of one of your, you know, members, one of your residents, people who live with you, who was 
humiliated. He was degraded. He was, it was, I actually ran out of words when I think about what happened to Babalo. I really do. And, and there was the sense of defensiveness around the space and exclusiveness that just made you think. It made you think of the culture of this res, the, the perspectives of the boys inside. There was a complete othering and division. And as you say, Babalo actually told us about the fact that there is absolutely no engagement between the white and black students. And that's not something one can force, but we need, I think, to create these common experiences and build a culture where not one party only feels at home and safe. But also, Amy, I think it's important to to mention the fact in, in this case that you are a white person. I am a coloured person. And it was you as a white person. I saw the response that you got when you spoke to um, some of the residents. Mm. And I thought it would be different for you because you are white. You know, I was I was speaking to some to some of the students and they said, you know, it's not always direct. You know, racism, and I think it's important that we remember this. Mm-hmm. Racism is not always direct. It's not, it's not, you know, being told that you don't belong or that I think less of you or do you understand? It's it's nuanced things. It's the way you're made to feel. Exactly. It's it's nuanced. It's it's underlying it's not something that you can always just put your finger on. This is what it is. It's something that makes you feel a certain way. And you can't at times immediately place it or say exactly what it is. But it's there. And it's difficult to explain unless you actually are in that situation. After the protest, we did an interview with Dr. Kelebohile Choice Maketa, who is the Senior Director of the Division for Student Affairs at Stellenbosch University. What did she have to say about the incident? She rightfully expressed a deep disappointment at, at, at what happened. Um, Dr. Maketa disclosed the special focus that has in recent years been placed on Ace the interventions to look at what is not going well and address those issues. But let's have a little recent history lesson. Only two years ago, the university lambasted Heismere for not demonstrating a concerted effort to grow into a wholesome community that reflects its values. It was decided a new co-ed student community would be created in the Heismere building as, according to the university, the res's influential leaders had not transformed the residence ethos to one that is based on the equal treatment of different population groups, respect for women and the promotion of responsible use of alcohol. So in an about turn later in 2020, an agreement was reached that the residents would remain home to only male students after the parties engaged in discussion with the aim to promote a better understanding between the respective positions and to reach common ground. But what does that tell you about the checkered past, you know, the history of Ace This is the same residence where this year Network 24 reported on house father Dr. Johan Groenewald during a meeting using the K-word as an example of words that have painful connotations. This is the same residence where our editor Adrian Basson reported for Dimati in 2000 of the demeaning and disgusting initiation practice in which first years were to get down on their knees and look down as their seniors urinated in front of them. 
That may have been over 20 years ago, but Dr. Maketa told us that there had been a spate of warring incidents in recent years, which resulted in the university management intervening and deciding not to place first-year students at Ace Marie in 2020. She said it was decided that the university would work with the residents to correct some of the practices so that it would be able to be confident to bring first-years into that space because it was not comfortable with some of the things that was happening there. That intervention was aimed at allowing them to learn how to work with other students as equals. There is something she said, though, that stuck with me. When you're working on transformation, just when you're making some gains, something just hits hard. But it's a wake-up call of saying, you have not arrived, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. She she was brilliant, and, and she was in touch with what was going on, and she she really cared. But I, I think you're right in, in that perhaps the institution isn't nearly as far as they'd like to think they are. Thank you for joining us, Tammy, and for your brilliant coverage on this incident. That was Tammy Peterson, reporter at News24. We're now joined by SRC Chairperson Viwe Kobokana. Viwe, thank you for joining us today. I know you've had a very busy week. What has the mood been like on campus this week? Could you describe how students on the ground are feeling, particularly students of colour? Thank you so much, Amy. Um, I think, as anyone can imagine, it's been a very overwhelming, um, a very uncomfortable and a very triggering week for students, but particularly for black and brown students. The SRC hosted a brave space and a lot of emotions um, came up um, from students sharing their frustration with one another, sharing their frustration with student leaders, sharing their frustration with the institution. Um, and and it's all very valid. It's very valid and relevant emotions. And it's emotions I think a lot of students carry with them, um, sometimes from the beginning of their time at the university up until right at the end. Um, so it's been a very, a very sad time. I think it's been a very sad time for a lot of people. Um, and... And it's a very unfortunate thing for people to be going through so close to the exams um, because, uh, you know, feeling of uncomfort and triggering and, you know, all these other emotions, it's not something you want to go into when you're trying to study in order to get your degree. I wanted to ask you, in these um, in these spaces, in these brave spaces that you talk about, are we seeing um, a lot of white students partaking or are we seeing it being a situation where there are only black and brown students expressing their discomfort with little interaction with white students? So I think in terms of, of, of turnouts yesterday, there were a lot more white students than initially on Monday at the protest that was organized by SASCO. Um, but there were some contributions from white students yesterday. However, I think the SRC made it clear in the mandate that we said for what the brave space was formed that it was a space for white students to listen um it wasn't a space that we wanted them to claim it wasn't a space that we wanted them to take up um we wanted them to be present and to support and to listen and to acknowledge um and obviously they were not bought from contributing if they wanted to contribute at the end of the day we all have lived experiences and one thing the SRC recognizes is intersectional identities um 
the issue of systemic racism, the issue of misogyny, of rape culture, of queer phobia, of all these other things are intersectional and we can't move. And at times we can't discuss one without the other. So we also wanted if we had queer white students want to come up and, and speak on their experiences. Um, if we wanted, you know, students who've experienced fat phobia to come up and, and speak on it. So we weren't going to bar them. So th- there was an interaction, but I think there really was obviously more black and brown students who spoke up last night. But that is what we initially wanted is we wanted them to have a space where they felt safe and where they felt brave enough to speak up and a space where white students felt brave enough to sit and listen. That's encouraging to hear because, as you mentioned, on Monday, there were very few white students at the protest. So it's good to hear that there are um, white students coming out to support. What is the SRC's opinion on the way the university responded to the situation? I think... um, I think in terms of the response from the university, um, there were some instances where they failed the student and there were some instances where, you know, they, they did the best that they could. In terms of the assistance that was offered to the student as soon as everyone found out, um, the SRC found it a bit disappointing because some of the questions that we asked, I mean, we only spoke to Babalo Monday morning at 11 o'clock. Um, the questions we asked him, which was, do you want counselling assistance? Um, do, what do you need to be replaced? Um, do you want to go home? We found that he hadn't been asked those questions. Um, and and if, if, you know, members of the university um, in, in their relevant divisions were aware of this and were engaging with him from the night before already, um, to me, it boggles my mind how those weren't the first questions asked. We've been very clear in expressing that we center the well-being of the student um, in all conversations. Um, and in as much as there's two parallel situations happening here, which is this particular incident, but what it is a symptom of, which is the racism in our institution when we're speaking of the former we have to center the student and it seems like um that isn't always the case from the university side it seems like they want to to respond more to systemic racism as opposed to this particular incident and that's where i think they failed the student however in terms of um setting out the process of what's going to happen for the disciplinary procedures in terms of suspending the student removing him from res the perpetrator in this case um in terms of of transparency in how the procedure is going to go and expediting that process i think um you know i'm not going to applaud a fish for swimming but i think that what was done needed to be done um and and then I think beyond that, the response from the university that was disappointing was when it was time to respond to students and students call, especially at the protest on Monday, we only saw black and brown staff members come down to speak to students. We saw um, Dr. Choice Maketa speak to us when we were at Hayes Marais and when we moved to Admin B, um, it was Prof. from Triganath, which in as much as it falls within, you know, their, their, um, their job, it is also the job of white staff members and, you know, it, you can't help but think, do these white staff members see us as black and brown students as barbaric, as dangerous, as violent? Is that why they don't want to come down and talk to us? Um, so I think that response on a more personal level um, as a student, as a student leader, was very, very disappointing. Um, and, you know, in our statement as the SRC, we made it very clear that it was not OK. It was not OK that the only people from both student and staff side to engage on this were black and brown. Um, because this, as much as this was a racial incident, it wasn't the responsibility of black and brown staff and students to take on. Yeah, it sounds like 
Hayes Marais has a problematic history and racism is a continuing issue. While I was on campus on Monday, I heard several anecdotes on instances of racism perpetrated against students. A young person referenced a time when they went to have a smoke, a cigarette or whatever, with a friend at Hayes Marais and they and another friend were spat on by boys in the residence, which was shocking to hear. And then, of course, the Indian student who was mocked at a law dance recently. What is the problem here? Is it institutions like Hayes Marais that are hampering transformation? I think so. I think, um, you know, you can't blame an entire institution for the actions of one person, but you can't blame them for firstly, how they respond to those actions. And secondly, whether or not they've cultivated a safe space for that student to think that those actions are right. And I think that's what people aren't understanding when the SRC calls for the disbandment of of, of, of Ace Marais and when the SRC um, calls on the institution to act swiftly but thoroughly, is we can't say they're responsible for the actions of Tians because that you know what Tians chose to do is his and his alone. It reflects on him, it reflects on his background and his family. Um, but we have to we have to question why did he think it was okay to do that in his res? Why did he think it was a safe space to do that? Why did he think it was okay to walk into another student's room? And that's where, you know, we question why is the community like Hayes Marais still alive and living in a, st- in a style of march that, you know, wants to be seen as progressive and transformative and moving towards um, repairing its past mistakes. So Hayes Marais, you know, we keep saying we don't want... Um, we don't want to blame Hayes Marais for the students' actions, but we can hold them accountable for, you know, are they perhaps creating a safe space for bigotry? And I think that's a question that has still is yet to be answered um, by by university leadership, by leadership of the res, by the res head, um, which is very disappointing. I have to say that being outside Hayes Marais and watching the reaction of the boys in the res sniggering and you know, mm-hmm. had a very dismissive air about them. Some were even laughing at the protesters outside the residence, and I found that to be extraordinarily distasteful mm. and deeply problematic. What mm. What do we need to do to address this? As I said, what happened at Hayes Marais is a symptom of a greater issue, which is how systemic racism is addressed um, and the consequences thereof in our institution. And that's what we can comment on. And so, the, you know, the changes we want to see first and foremost is everyone is sitting on the edge of their seat wanting to see if the student is going to be expelled. And I think not a lot of people understand why at Stellenbosch there's been a history of, you know, the sanctions that come from CDC panels and hearings not being um on the same level as the wrongdoing. So we saw students who, who drank alcohol in res, which was against the alcohol policy, being suspended um, from the res or from student leadership and being barred from being in leadership for two, three years. Um, and in that same breath, having perpetrators who've admitted to gender-based violence, getting a slap on the wrist, getting community service. So we're, we're wanting the student to be expelled um, for this incident, but also as sort of a, a sacrificial lamb for us to see that finally our university is going to start taking you know human rights violations seriously so that would be the first change just to see the outcomes and productivity of our student discipline and cdc um actually 
you know, show to us as students that they care about human rights violations, that they don't only care about plagiarism and they don't only care, you know, about drinking in race in race spaces. And then secondly, um, the conscientization and the training of our student leaders. I think, you know, you said in your opening that um, the, the, the way that the, how the Hayes Marais House Committee responded was not swift. And one can either ask themselves, is it because they didn't care or is it because they didn't know what to do because they weren't trained on how do you respond to serious things that happen in your community? So we want to see, you know, trainings for our student leaders that are actually relevant, not trainings that train us to be managers, but, you know, training sessions that teach us how to how to respond and how to be empathetic and 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 how to how to um, acknowledge and and analyze and identify um, social injustices in our communities and then actual intentional acknowledgement from the university that there's an issue here um that's something we're yet to see is you can't acknowledge an incident you have to acknowledge um what the greater issue is and it's frustrating i think it's been frustrating for the src to deal with this because this is not a conversation we haven't had with staff members with management with um you know the division of student affairs this is not a brand new conversation to them and as soon as two days ago i had said to 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 leaders in the institution that sometimes it feels like we're waiting for something big to happen and that's when we'll act and uh, you know i don't want us to get to that place where something even greater than what's happened um happens in our university and then there's no coming back from it so i think there's lessons to be learned here and i truly hope that this will be the biggest eye-opener that the university um, needs before it actually you know truly truly changes and not at a superficial level yeah let's hope that this is a, a turning point indeed Viwe, thank you so much for your time i know it's i know as i said you've been busy um but you've given us some really insightful information um and thoughts from right on the ground on campus so thank you so much and all the best thank you very much thank you that's all we have time for this week. Remember to tune in every Saturday for News 24's podcast on the week's biggest story. I'm Amy Gibbings, producer and host of The Story.